Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. All right, welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. My name is Jonathan Nowlin. I'm your host. I'm the founder of the Metron Manager Project and the author of the book Managing Your Metron and the curriculum called Discover the Original Design of Vocation. So today we're going to get a chance to talk about missions. A lot of times if you're a person with a calling, you are maybe in school, you're a young professional, or you might even be in high school or unemployed and wondering what you're going to do with your life. There's a lot of considerations and there's a lot of pressure out there in Christian circles in particular uh, to consider missions, to think about things like the Great Commission, uh, which is obviously relevant to all believers. But what does it mean uh, to those of us that are called into vocation that aren't working in full-time Christian ministry, vocational ministry? What does it mean to be missional? What does it mean to be on mission? And particularly for this discussion, we're going to talk about what does it mean to do business as mission? Now, that term means a lot of things to different people. Uh, Some people view business as mission a little bit on a kind of a flimsy definition of just doing business to have a platform to do other, quote, spiritual things in a country or in an unreached area. But what I want to talk about today is legitimate business as mission and how business is mission or how can it be on mission? Even another way of saying it would be how is business missional? How can it even be? A lot of times we have a real strict uh, dichotomy in our thinking between what missions is, what spiritual things are, and then our day job, what we do every day. And it's hard for us to correlate the two or really even understand that there's a missions uh, thinking or a missiology that's available for the marketplace and that all of that's integrated. We're not secular and sacred people. We don't exist that way. We're multidimensional, faith, believing in God, uh, loving God, understanding God beings who we serve God in our work and missions is an, is an aspect of work as well as a full-time calling for some people. So we're going to explore this concept of business on mission. And what is it going to require to do that? How is that legitimate? So we'll look into some theology that I've put forward in my book, uh, Managing Your Metron. I really believe there's, there's actually a legitimate theology biblically. There's a golden narrative in there of mission that starts with what we call the original commission and goes all the way through the Great Commission. Some interesting parallels there. We'll get to that. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, my history, uh, just so you know my mission's background. Probably 1979, (laughs) somewhere around there, 78, my folks went into full-time missions work. So I grew up on the mission field, 
And I uh, saw all kinds of mission enterprises. I saw everything you could imagine doing in missions. I've met people doing it. I've helped with those projects. I've led in those enterprises, probably led two or 300 short-term or intermediate-term missions efforts, uh, worked in about 60 countries, spent a lot of time in the recovering former Soviet, former Soviet Union, uh, countries around Russia and the different republics. In the early 90s, some phenomenal street evangelism. We had incredible times. It was the Wild West of missions in those days. And we would think sometimes it was a slow day if we only saw 1,200 people come to the Lord. And uh, so I had my street preaching days. I had uh, my humanitarian aid days, medical relief days. I had administrative work. I had planning strategy, leadership, all kinds of opportunities in my traditional missions career, my history. But today, I want to I want to look where things are going now and look if we can broaden our understanding a bit here of what missions is and what the Great Commission has to say. Because I think right now, most of us have a bit of familiarity with the first part of the Great Commission, but we're not particularly familiar with what I would call the second part of the Great Commission. And we're going to explore that because that ties into theology of work and what I believe is the next phase of global missions. In late 2000, Billy Graham said, I believe that one of the next great moves of God is going to be through believers in the workplace. And I can guarantee you, we live in exciting times. So I just concluded a long season of ministry where I was working with a multinational ministry based out of Asia, but I was running international operations and the U.S. headquarters. And what happened during that time was I got to work with mission-minded what I would call on-mission Christian professionals from all around the world that worked together, that came together to do a missional enterprise is a good way to describe it. It wasn't a traditional mission effort, but it was a nation-discipling enterprise that involved all Christian professionals and business people from many different uh, vocations, sectors of society, different countries, different cultures. And nobody was a traditional missionary in this equation except myself and my wife, and we were the kind of anomaly in the whole equation. But what I found is that this conglomerate of Christian professionals who had an on-mission mindset, and that was their driving biblical value system, they were able to accomplish something in this difficult nation with thousands of young leaders that no traditional missionary would have been able to do. It was an incredible effort and produced an incredible amount of good fruit. So these folks that were I was working with, that I had the privilege to work with, they didn't quit their day jobs to be missionaries. They leveraged their day jobs for mission, for the cause of Christ to advance the kingdom. So that's an important point about the future of missions. You're not necessarily in a phase where God's calling us to quit your day job and do missions. He's calling you to leverage your day job for missions. I believe what he's looking for is an on-mission mindset. And how we get that is that we have to become missionized ourselves at a heart level. So how do we become missionized in the marketplace? How do we become missionized in our vocation? How do we become missionized in our Metron, as I talk about in my book and my materials? So how do you missionally impact your sphere of society? That's how you get a business that can be legitimate and be on mission is if you have an on-mission mindset already, and that's what you're doing. That You do what you're doing because that's who you are. So you're either missionized or you're not. You could be doing business as mission somewhere, as an example, 
and not doing either thing very well, not making any money, not adding any value to society, not doing a very good job of being integrous, and not being very effective in a missional or traditional missional sense with perhaps evangelism, church planting, uh, even relief work, things like this. But I think that the real issue at the core is, are we missionized in our thinking about vocation, about what we're doing? Because if we are, then you can have a business that is on mission. And we're going to talk about something that I, I write on and I've thought on for a number of years called uh, broken edges missiology. So missiology, it's a big word, but it's basically just the study of missions. It's the study of the science of missions per se. And I enjoy that. I'm a I, I'm a missiologist. That's one of my favorite things. But I'm also a practitioner. So I, everything I talk about, I've tried and I've lived it. And I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, what works, what doesn't work. And what I've seen is crucial is you have to have a missionized understanding of vocation for anything to be valid in what you're doing. Because all of us have a vocation. We're all called to something. You might be called to do business as mission, as we're talking about today. But is that going to be effective? Is it going to be missional if you are not missional, if you don't have an on-mission mindset? And I can guarantee you that if you don't have an on-mission mindset now, and you're not missionized now in how you view the world around you, how you view your Metron, then the fact of relocating to another country or culture to try to do that is not going to change that. You're going to be just as ineffective there as you are here. And that can be pretty discouraging. That's why a lot of these, uh, I would call them kingdom, kingdom enterprises or kingdom businesses, missional businesses, they don't make it. They don't prosper. They don't survive and they don't leave any lasting fruit, fruit that remains. So why can a business be on mission? What makes your work missional? You, you have to be missionized. You have to have that lens, that view, that grid, that everything around you is a mission field. And it's just how you see things. You're always living on purpose. You're always living prepared. You're always living with your sword sharpened, so to speak, spiritually. And you're ready to apply truth to every situation around you and to look at the world around you through the eyes of Christ. So you're not using your earthly mind and you're not using your human eyesight, but you're using spiritual eyesight, as Paul talks about. You've got to be spiritually minded, see things spiritually, and see the world around you spiritually. That's how you get things done in business on mission. So how do you get missionized? If this is the key, as I'm putting it to this discussion, we're all working in our father's family business. We've got to remember the context of everything we're doing. No matter what your business is doing, if you're running a nonprofit, you're working at McDonald's, you're running a traditional mission agency, you're a pastor, uh, you're a manager of a restaurant, it doesn't matter what it is, all of your real work is in the father's family business because that's the context we live in. So the kingdom of God belongs to God, belongs to our father, and he calls us to work with him to impact and build his kingdom in this world. So it's the kingdom business. It belongs to God. It's our fathers. And we have the privilege of co-laboring with him. I describe it as being called to co-labor in your Metron with your father. And that's the family business. So what does his business do? It's got a surface level understanding you can apply. Uh, I flip pancakes. I make cars. I'm a parent that takes care of my kids at home. I uh, work 
for Walmart, you know, whatever it is, there's kind of a top line level of what you're doing that's important. That's an important definition. But really, within that is another concept. The foundational concept of business in the kingdom or business on mission is that you're doing things God's way in God's universe for God's reasons. And God's way and his purposes all revolve around the central idea of reconciliation and restoration. The reconciliation and restoration of all things through every vocation and in every context. And if you're good at identifying how can I reconcile this aspect of my Metron or this area of the world around me, how can I restore this area that's broken in my Metron and this area that's broken in my sphere of influence? How can I bring the kingdom of God into this and this thing into the kingdom of God or this person or anything that's out of alignment with the kingdom of God? How can I bring alignment through restoration and reconciliation? I can guarantee you, you will be successful at business as mission because then you're doing what's on the heart of God. But if you don't have this core DNA of restoration and reconciliation being the two driving parameters of what you're trying to accomplish, then you don't really even have a metric for measuring if you're succeeding. And that's been really hard for a lot of people in business as mission traditionally. So we need a fundamental paradigm shift to realize what enables business to be missional. It's not just because you're there on the field and you're a Christian or you're in some unreached place or even if you're local doing global local mission and it's not a thing, it's you, it's who you are. So you could be working for a multinational somewhere that's not Christian at all, maybe even hostile to Christianity, but you being there as a Christian with your sphere of influence, your Metron, you are able to bring a missional impact in that sphere of influence in the platform or context of business. Because a lot of times when we talk about business as mission, we only think of going somewhere and starting a business yourself, doing something on your own. Uh, like That's very entrepreneurial, and, and that's good. We need that. And I have a whole nother discussion and view on how do you do kingdom entrepreneurial enterprises. Really important stuff. But a lot of us who have business as mission hearts or vocational uh, callings are going to find yourself working in a non-Christian context in a non-Christian company for non-Christian bosses, and you still want to make an impact for Christ. You still want to be on mission. So the art of it is to get missionized to adjust your lenses and your your way of seeing the world around you to be missional. And then you're never let down and it doesn't matter what environment you're in. It doesn't matter what context you're working in. You're making a kingdom impact. You're advancing the kingdom. You're literally on mission. And I'm thinking back to a lot of the mission work, traditional mission work I did. There was a lot of people that I worked with and a lot of efforts that I was involved with where we didn't even think this way. We were just doing a job. We were just doing programs. We were just doing Christian things uh, that were in a missional context. But we didn't see a lot of fruit sometimes. Sometimes we did. And later when I got more mature in my life and my calling, I saw a lot, a lot of fruit. But there were times where we didn't see much happen. And a lot of that was because we weren't at a heart level missionized. We weren't seeing the world around us through God's eyes. We were always waiting for something spiritual or spectacular to happen on the horizon or in another place or in a different village or whatever the case may be. And we weren't attentive to the mission field around us. 
So we never practiced in private what we intended to do in public. And uh, that was a limitation I learned from. That was a setback that I learned from. So as we're talking about how business can be missional, we don't want to look at just the tactical and practical. We got to look at it at a heart level and really recover what I call the dignity and mission of vocation. Got to get your mind right about vocation before you can do business as mission. So missions is changing, but the Great Commission is not. If you haven't seen, we live in new and different and exciting times. Some good, some bad, some yet to be determined. But one thing that is determined is that the face of global missions is really changing, facing a lot of different dynamics that a lot of us aren't prepared for, don't understand. A lot of mission agencies haven't thought about, don't have revelation on how to handle or the tools or the practice that they're going to need. So we're in unstable and unsteady times. But God is not unstable. He's not unsteady. And the Great Commission still stands. It's still relevant for all of us. So what are these challenges? What are some of the challenges we're facing in, I would say, a traditional mission approach or the traditional mission model? Here's a few that are obvious. COVID. uh, I think all of us have been affected by that. Anybody have travel plans that didn't happen? Travel restrictions, quarantines, unknowns high levels of very, very effective surveillance, uh, sometimes called contact tracing, but in uh, countries like China um, is used for other purposes and other closed countries. So there's very high levels of technology, surveillance, and uh, things like artificial intelligence, facial recognition, changes the whole nature of what you're trying to do in closed countries if you're trying to do traditional Christian ministry or Christian work. It's very hard to do. And you definitely can't go about it the way we did in the olden days. (laughs) So there's economic collapse, there's economic challenges, a lot of unemployment. Generally, people are focused on jobs, on the economy, not really thinking too much about vocational mission right now, not thinking very much about uh, the future on the mission field, though we all care still about the Great Commission. A lot of people are just in survival mode. And we don't know how long that's going to last. It could be a significant distance Uh, that we travel on this road. There's, uh, let's see, what else? High security technology enforcing uh, crackdowns on religious activity. Lack of financial support for traditional missionaries and sending models. As a support-raised missionary, I've uh, faced a lot of those challenges myself for decades. So I know how hard it is, and I know it's still very difficult. And there's uh, different mindsets that are coming in now to the church and the Christian world about support-raising and about uh, raising money to go on missions. So it's just a factor. It's a challenge. It's not the same as it used to be even five or 10 years ago. There's changing mentality among Generation Z. That's actually quite different than millennial mentalities about missions. Uh, Gen Zers, uh, one statistic I heard, are almost 90% less interested in traditional mission going and doing as even millennials were. So there's been a significant change in demographic attitude and perspective on traditional missions. Particularly, that's a challenge. And there's also a lot of positives, but one of the things is huge interest in changing the world through vocation, through finding purpose and meaning and adding value and being missional through vocation. So that's a positive thing, but that's a little different than our traditional mission approach. So some of the challenges, a couple of opportunities there. So what are we going to do? 
I think we need to talk about this concept of broken edges missiology. One of the things we got to keep in mind when you're talking about business as mission or business on mission is that one of our key areas that we relate to in professional sectors and what we have time for, and I would say even anointing and calling towards, is discipleship, which is a significant part of the Great Commission. Uh, it's more on the qualitative side of the Great Commission, but it's there and it requires you, and it's what business as mission and business on mission can really do. Do it well. It's about 95,000 Christian workers, missionaries, etc., working in unreached or unevangelized areas. So those would be uh, countries that are difficult to access, people that have never heard the gospel, maybe don't have access to scripture. And then of those 95,000, about 40,000 of those are working what we would truly call unengaged people groups who just have no idea about Christianity, no access to the gospel, not hearing. They are not hearing and they don't have a way to hear right now. Most likely don't have access to the Bible. That's not enough people. It's not a large enough workforce to successfully engage with 3.14 billion people that need to hear the gospel. It's just not going to cut it. It's not going to make a significant enough impact if we constrain ourselves to a traditional mission model where we extract people. I would say with when I say traditional missional model, I would say we extract people into a like a professional missions capacity where that's what they do as their job. That's where they, they go as a Christian worker uh, to do church planting, evangelism, mercy ministries, uh, justice ministries, things like this that are full-time Christian occupation, which is all good and very needed, but really only represents at the most about 3% of the body of Christ. The other 97% of the body of Christ are the ones that currently feel like they're on the bench, that the Great Commission doesn't relate to them, that they don't feel there's a, a purpose or a role for them in mission uh, or ministry of any kind, and they see kind of their day job as being in the way of doing something spiritual. And they're calling it to work in a vocational capacity and business, or even just raising their own children at home. They feel like they're doing something wrong. They're in some form of disobedience because they're not going somewhere to be a full-time Christian worker. So we need a paradigm shift on this so that we understand missionized vocation, missionized management of your Metron. Another couple thoughts on missionized vocation is that an MBA is now considered as vital as seminary in reaching and discipling unreached nations. So getting your MBA, getting your degrees, getting uh, experience as an intern, becoming the best in your sphere of society, that's going to give you access to places that something, uh, someone with a seminary degree is just not going to get access to. They're not going to have the same kind of opportunity. Consider this fact. There's no unreached people groups to Coca-Cola. There's no unreached people groups to Coca-Cola. That's Coca-Cola has completely evangelized the known world and all populations. So really the fact is, is that it's not that we're not there, so to speak. Business is there. It's that the people who are there, even though Christians who are there, are not on mission. So it's not that we're not there, it's that we're not on 
And so we have to recover this dignity and mission of vocation and understand the incredible opportunity that God's opening up ahead of us. Like Billy Graham said, the next great move of God coming through the marketplace, believers in the marketplace. We have to get a missional mindset if we're going to capitalize on the fact that there's no unreached people groups to Coca-Cola. It's just a way of thinking that has to change because we have a lot of unreached people groups to the church, to traditional mission thinking and those type of uh, quantification of what we're trying to do. But it's not that it's impossible to do. It's just that it hasn't been done. Let's look at a few dynamics with professionals globally. It's estimated that by the end of the decade, which is referring to this year, 2020, some 10 million of the brightest and most talented Americans, representing an estimated 136 billion in wages, will be living and working overseas. It's a quote and a statistic from a book called Leaving America. And I went on to verify there are now about 10 million Americans living and working overseas by 2019. So it has happened, and that's a significant number of people. So let's ask the question, what if? What if in 2020, there were 10% of that 10 million number of expats from the U.S. who were Christians? That's a pretty reasonable estimate if you just look at, across the board, how many, Ameri- how many Americans claim Christ on an average. A 10% would be a low number, probably. That would even fall within the margin of those that are probably actually walking with the Lord and have a personal relationship with the Lord. So let's give it 1 million. We'll say 1 million Christian top talent expats in 2020 out there working, living, influencing overseas. So what if 10% had an on-mission mindset? Those top-level expats are out there working, best and brightest, paid to be where they're at. You'd have 1 million missionaries in the marketplace. Think of that, 1 million missionaries in the marketplace. If even, what if, if even, those 1 million missionaries that could be, that should be, were on mission, and they just made one disciple each, say in the course of a three to five year stint with an expat company, working with a multinational, they just made one disciple. You'd have a million disciples, say that's in a year, they make it a goal to make one disciple a year. One disciple a year, a million disciples a year, uh, that would be a significant missional impact for the overall cause of Christ. So every unreached people group is touched by Christians who have metrons in the workplace. They have their, their metron is filled with aspects of the marketplace, with government, different sectors of society, education. That's part of the what-if equation. What if all those Christians whose metrons touched every place in the world were on mission in their mindset, if they were missionized in their mindset about vocation? can make a significant difference. So again, it's not that we're not there. It's that we're not on mission. We need to get on mission. We need to practice right here. So no matter what you're going on to do, you're studying, you're an entry-level job, you're starting a company, you're working for a lawn mowing outfit, whatever it is, you got to start cultivating a mindset that says, I'm on mission in my Metron and it matters. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. 
Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.